This is AMEN, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General cigar, cigar Dave. Big day tomorrow. It is Super Bowl 54, and there is only one appropriate way that we commemorate and celebrate the big game, and that is with Super Snacks for Super Bowl Maneuvers. Next hour, Colonel Ange will join us from the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. Have a fantastic lineup of delicacies for Super Snacks for Super Bowl. I am back front and center from Command Center Alpha. Upper respiratory infection is gone. The lingering effects from my bronchitis Almost gone, but occasionally you may hear my cough. Or, as you just heard, Pendragon's Royal Baron. He just saw an enemy of pleasure come within one mile of Command Center Alpha. Good boy, Baron. That's a good boy. I think Bloomberg, actually, he spotted Michael Bloomberg about a mile away. Incredible sight, incredible sense of smell. Good boy, Baron. Long Ash greetings and salutations, a Long Ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio, always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make America great again, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, screw the enemies of delicacies, and screw the socialist, it is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief coming to you front and center from Command Center Alpha. Sergeant Steve, you wired up the cough. Uh, you checked. I know you checked the cough uh, uh, button here just in case, but if I miss it, you never know. There may be an occasional cough from this just horrible uh, lingering effects of this upper respiratory infection and bronchitis. I don't remember ever getting a URI this bad. I am standing by with the dump button ready to go. We got a dump button, and I got this cough, the little yes. cough button right yes, here. But in case in you case. miss it, I've got, I've got you. Outstanding. And uh, I will say this, though. Somebody said, you sure it's not coronavirus, General? I have not been to China. I have not eaten any rat, bat, civet, or any other exotic animals, as many of the Chinese do, which I can tell you just... The thought of some of the food, the animals that they were, live animals they were selling at that market in the Huan province, disgusting. This, I mean, they, you, know, you, you know the Chinese, the Chinese commies, have spent years developing their economy, all these buildings. But the reality is much of China is still rural, and they're still back, you know, like uh, in the Dark Ages, eating these wild type of animals. And then, of course, they start spreading the coronavirus. And by the way, the coronavirus, I think it is a plan by the enemies of pleasure to try to lump in cigars into this virus. Think about it. What's one of the very well-known sizes of cigars? The corona. Now, they could have called it a Robusto virus, the coronavirus. They could have called it a Churchill virus, a Figurado virus. But I believe this is deep down a plot This is a plan hatched by the enemies of pleasure. 
Yes, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on with the conspiracy theories now. But do they have to call it the coronavirus? How about calling it the Chinese rat-eating virus or the Chinese snake-eating virus? Corona? Too close to those of us that enjoy cigars. Now, I have said all along, the enemies of pleasure will come after your cigars, and they have. I've said they would come after something else you enjoy. Soda, they have. Sugar, they have. Plastic, they have. Plastic bags, plastic utensils, plastic styrofoam, styrofoam uh, 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 storage little containers for your food. Gone after that. And now we know the next two items up for bid, as they say on the prices, right? The next two items the enemies of pleasure are going after. Warning. Warning. We've reached DEFCON 1. Civil rights have been breached. Congressional insurgency has begun. Stand by as your general enacts countermeasures. Well, I've always said the enemies of pleasure will never stop at just one item. They came for your cigars. They came for your soda. They came for your sugar. Came for your plastic. Taxes. 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 Restrictions. And now what are we seeing from these climate change wackadoodles, these climate change exaggerators who are doing nothing more than trying to create a system to transfer wealth from one group to another, primarily them, the climate change conspiracy theories that the whole world is melting down. Well, they're coming after two things. They're coming after your meat and they're coming after your fuel. In Davos, Switzerland, where the elite business people, the globalists all get together to have cocktails and caviar and talk amongst themselves and say how wonderful it would be to globalize the world and in the meantime try to make themselves feel good about their globalism by saying, oh, let's embrace climate change this existential threat that's supposedly sweeping the world. We've heard this for 50 years. Al Gore in 1980 in Congress started spewing this nonsense about global warming. And then when we didn't have global warming, it became climate change. He said, we've only got 10 years and the earth is going to melt. Well, what happened? 10 years later, 1990, the earth didn't melt. But in 1990, we've only got 10 years. The scientists have said this. And what happened? Gee, nothing happened in 1990, nothing happened in 2000, nothing happened in 2010. 2020, we're all still here, 40, 50 years after all these dire prognostications, all these dire warnings. We're still here. Everything is just fine. But yet they have to manufacture this existential threat, climate change. And in Davos, at the World Economic Forum, last week, week before last, there were Multitudes of people talking about all these panels with climate change. Al Gore, Prince Charles, Greta Thunberg. How dare you? How dare you all? President Trump spoke, and he gave it to all these climate change conspiracy theorists, these doom and gloom prognosticators, as he called them. But we're seeing a hysteria, massive hysteria, that we have to eliminate meat. We have to eliminate any sort of cattle farming and meat farming, poultry farming, go to plant-based diets. 
This is what they are spewing out because these people who are vegans don't want you eating meat. This has nothing to do with the temperature or the climate. This has everything to do with them dictating how you should live your life and what products you may and may not consume. And there's always the cha-ching factor, the money factor. Same thing with fossil fuels. Now fossil fuels are all evil. Yet that doesn't stop all these attendees from the World Economic Conference going to Davos in their private jets. And I'm all for private air transportation. I'm a private pilot. I'm all for it. But I don't jump up and down and say, we've got to do something about the climate. The climate is changing. The Earth is going to end in 10 years. If we don't hit this 1.5 degree Celsius reduction, we're all dead. Please spare me. In 2030, in 2040, in 2050, in the year 2100, we'll all still, well, we may not all be around, but the Earth will still be around. And what have I told you all along about all these climate change existential threat yellers that, oh, we've got this existential threat. The, the, the coasts along the East Coast, West Coast, they'll all be submerged. Cities will be submerged. Miami, Tampa will be submerged. Everything's going to be, New York is going to be submerged. Well, Barack Hussein Obama, the 44th president of the United States was so concerned about climate change and the rising sea levels that he just spent $13 million on a Mothas Vineyard estate sitting at sea level. So here it is, a president who says, we've got to do something about climate change. This is a big problem. Yet buys an estate, $13 million bucks he spends, at sea level. He's so worried about the rising tides and the rising sea levels. It'll wipe everything out. Tell me, why did he buy a $13 million estate? I'll tell you why. Because it's all a load of poppycock. He knows damn well this climate change is nothing more than a wealth transfer. We've spoken about this numerous times. The climate change, uh, uh, climate change alarmists admitted what the real motive behind the climate change scare was. Former United Nations climate official Atmar Edenhofer, quote, one has to free oneself from the illusion that international climate policy is environmental policy. This has almost nothing to do with the environmental policy anymore, with problems such as deforestation or the ozone hole. We redistribute de facto the world's wealth by climate policy, said Edenhofer, who co-chaired the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Working Group on Mitigation of Climate Change from 2008 to 2015. Let's talk about that one more time. Nothing to do with climate change being an environmental policy. It has to do with wealth redistribution policies. Make the United States, make all the other advanced countries transfer wealth to other countries. And who's the biggest polluter today? China. And yet nobody seems to mention China, Greta Thunberg or Al Gore or anyone else that jumps up and down about climate change wanting to take away your right to eat meat, your right to eat poultry, your right to travel in cars, planes, automobiles, or any other transportation vehicle that uses fossil fuel. They want to come after you. But yet... They still travel in their private planes. They still live in their multiple large homes 
using tons of fuel, because it's do as I say, not as I do. We have some audio from the World Economic Forum in Davos, where all the globalists got together. Here is Al Gore, and talk about an alarmist, talk about exaggerating, get a load of this load of nonsense. This crisis, the climate crisis, is way worse than people generally realize, way worse. It is getting worse still way faster than people realize. The burden to act that is on the shoulders of the generation of people alive today is a challenge to our moral imagination. But this is Thermopylae. This is Agincourt. This is the Battle of the Bulge. This is Dunkirk. This is 9-11. We have to rise to this occasion. This is BS hyperbole. Are you kidding me? You're comparing climate change to... 3,000 people dying, if not more, because of the aftermath of 9-11, firefighters going in and, and cleanup crews dying because of what they caught on 9-11? Are you kidding me? Are you serious, you dumb oaf? Battle of the Bulge? You're going to compare World War II and the Nazis to climate change, which is nothing more than a fantasy, a fairy tale, a fictional made-up crisis? Yet Al Gore, who tells everyone this is Agincourt, this is Thermopylae, this is Dunkirk, the Battle of the Bulge, this is 9-11, the Earth's got the flu, still travels by corporate jet all over the place, still lives, has multiple homes, including, I think, a 15,000-square-foot home in Nashville or outside of Nashville that burns more energy than probably 30 average homes will in multiple years. But again, do as I say, not as I do. They all become wealthy, just like Al Gore did, off of this climate change nonsense. Between his nonsense movies, his books, getting on all the boards of directors of the companies, screaming up and down, speaking engagements, he's worth over $100 million. He wasn't worth anywhere near that. He was worth maybe a couple of million when he left as the VP. Amazing how that happens, isn't it? Let's continue. Soundbite number two uh, from Prince Charles. Now, let me just, before we say anything from about Prince Charles, Prince Charles is basically, his job is to sit and wait for Queen Elizabeth to croak and just fall over so he can become the king. He's been waiting for, what, 73 years? This poor bastard, Prince Charles, oh, Mick, if I offended you, good. Prince Charles is a dumb, poor bastard. Well, he's not poor, wealthy, but he is a dumb bastard. This guy does nothing for a living. Nothing. All he's doing is waiting for his mother to croak, to kick the bucket, so he can get wear the, the imperial margarine crown and say, I am the king. It is very important that I become king. I'm just waiting for my mother. I wish she would just abdicate so I, Prince Charles, could become king. Sorry, Mick. The whole monarchy concept is over. It's ridiculous. Nonsense. Obsolete. Prince Charles, we're in the midst of a crisis. We are in the midst of a crisis that is now, I hope, well understood. Global warming, climate change, and the devastating loss of biodiversity are the greatest threats humanity has ever faced. Yes, we're in the midst of a crisis. So much so that I flew private aircraft 16,000 miles several days before my meeting with Greta Thunberg 
at the World Economic Conference in Davos. Prince Eco Hypocrite took six, or traveled 16,000 miles, 162 tons of carbon emissions, four flights with Charles on board, five flights without him on board, just flying empty legs to pick him up and return at a cost of 360,000 American dollars or 280,000 British pounds. In just 11 days, Prince Charles, who's worried about this big crisis, his plane spewed more than 18 times an average Britain's yearly total of carbon emissions. Yet, the world is sustaining irreversible damage. Please. He could easily have taken commercial. I'm sorry. It's not like anybody really wants to whack Prince Charles. The guy does nothing. Basically, his job is to sit waiting for his mother to croak. How pathetic is that? The guy's life is pathetic. And by the way, the wife? Woof, woof. Sorry, Baron. I know I just offended you because you are a good-looking canine. I know that, Baron. I shouldn't have used that analogy. He just gave me this big look. Like, really? You're going to call? That's an insult to me, he just said. But How dare you? How dare you is right. But if you look at the at Camilla Parker Bowles, oh, jeez. Woof. Ugly. Seriously, it's almost like her face was hit by a Mack truck. And I can only imagine that on the time for the wedding night, Prince Charles was ready to make Whoopi when she came to give him a kiss. He probably looked and said, oh, no, no, I can't look at that face. It's disgusting. Please put a bag around your face, and then maybe I shall royally bang you. Oh, talk about a bow wow. Ooh, not attractive at all. So we have Al Gore, climate hysteria. It's like 9-11, Battle of the Bulge. We've got Prince Charles and our friend Greta Thunberg, little Greta Thunberg. They're all preaching climate change. And the end result is to stop you from traveling using fossil fuel and to stop you from eating meat. Here is Greta. Sergeant Steve, <clears throat> let's do this. Let's, let's run the cut of, a uh, cut four of Greta talking about what she wants done with fossil fuel, then we'll run the other cuts. So we'll reverse the two Greta Thunberg cuts. We demand at this year's World Economic Forum participants from all companies, banks, institutions and governments immediately halt all investments in fossil fuel exploration and extraction, immediately end all fossil fuel subsidies and immediately and completely divest from fossil fuels. We don't want these things done by 2050, 2030, or even 2021. We want this done now. Screw you, kid. We want this done now? Let me ask you a question. How are we all going to travel? How are we going to fly? How are we going to, how are we going to get from point A to point B? Would you like us to all walk? I don't think it's practical to take a sailboat across the Atlantic, like you did when you came over. But then when you went back, you took a regular aircraft. And the way that you and your team, your handlers, were able to explain you traveling on a plane that uses fossil fuel, you bought carbon offsets. Police. We're going to fall for that BS? I don't think so. This is what they want to do. Eliminate fossil fuel. 
Goldman Sachs announced last week to Native Alaskans, the bank which has essentially loaned to various oil companies in Alaska's North Slope and that had benefited the Native Alaskans, they basically said, we're not going to finance that anymore because of stakeholder engagement. This is the next war. Banks. They will refuse to accept money. They will refuse to finance deals. Thankfully, the Bank of America, their, uh, their CEO said, no, we're not going to give up loaning. We think fossil fuel, this is how the world runs. It's ridiculous to do that. But this is the nonsense. This little 16-year-old punk who's never graduated from anything is now telling the world, demanding no more fossil fuel? Sorry, that's not realistic. And all these people that say, let's eliminate fossil fuel and let's go to electric cars. Okay, you go to electric cars. How do you recharge the batteries in electric cars? It doesn't happen magically. You've got to plug it in and get electricity to charge the batteries in these electrically powered vehicles. Well, how do you generate electricity? By power plants. Nuclear, coal, natural gas. But they want to eliminate any fossil fuel. But meanwhile, if every car in America was converted to an electric-powered vehicle, you would have to build far more power generation stations, tons more, to be able to power all those vehicles and recharge all those vehicles every day. Well, how's that going to happen if all of a sudden they say no more fossil fuels? That means no more natural gas, no more coal. It's not realistic. It is BS pie in the sky. But they're coming after your fossil fuel. And when I come back, we'll tell you how they're coming after your meat. Because now all of a sudden, meat, poultry, cattle ranching, adds to climate change because of all the emissions, all the CO2 emissions. We need to go to a plant-based diet. No freaking thanks. Get the latest cigars hand-picked by the General each month delivered straight to your door when you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. For just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Our house is on fire. I am here to say our house is on fire. Well then call the fire department, little Greta. If your house is on fire, sweetheart, call Swedish 911. Hello, Swedish 911. This is Greta Thunberg. How dare you? My house is on fire. You're not coming because your 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 fire truck runs on fossil fuel. And we outlawed fossil fuel fire trucks, so you cannot come down to save my house? You got it, sweetheart. That's how it works. Little Greta Thunberg, the world's little darling, who supposedly writes all her own material, who supposedly knows all these scientific facts, not true. A software glitch revealed that Greta's dad, Mr. Thunberg, Svante Thunberg is his name, that Svante Thunberg has been writing her social media posts to her three million followers. Is anybody shocked? An adult with a career in the climate change alarmism industry is the real mouthpiece behind Greta Thunberg's media posts and her speeches and her memorizing all the scientific Climate change, nonsense, pablum puke. But a software glitch on Facebook revealed that Greta was not writing her own posts. It was her father, climate activist Svante Thunberg, as well as a climate activist in India who serves as a delegate at the UN climate change organization, Adarsh Prathap. So isn't it amazing? Let's call Greta Greta Incorporated. And when I tell you some of the items going on, you will say, yep, she's trying to make a business. And what did I tell you? It's about wealth transfer. How did Al Gore become worth over $100 million? It was by his climate change, alarmism, and nonsensical activism. Greta Thunberg's father, Svante Thunberg, has been behind this whole thing. And this other clown, Adarsh Prathab of the UN's climate change organization, They've been behind trotting out Greta, even though this girl's got all sorts of mental issues, and I don't say that to be derogatory, but frankly, for her father, her parents, to send her out when she's got depression, Asperger's, other mental issues, to use her as a prop, as your way to a big meal ticket, a big check, is unbelievable. But Svante posted... On January 4th, tell me if this doesn't sound familiar, Australia is on fire, and the summer there has only just begun. 2019 was a year of record heat and record drought. Today, the temperature outside Sydney was 48.9 degrees centigrade. 500 million animals are estimated dead because of the bushfires. Over 20 people have died and thousands of homes have burned to ground. The fires have spewed two-thirds of the nation's national annual CO2 emissions. According to the Sydney 
and then it cuts off. But according to, must have been some Sydney organization. But this was all written by Svante Thunberg, little Greta's father. Now, how do we know that Greta Thunberg and the Svante Thunberg, her father and mother, are in it nothing more than wealth transfer? Cha-ching for the cash. Well, here's why. Greta Thunberg has applied to trademark her name and that of the international school strike movement she inspired, a move they, her handlers said, was meant to protect the movement from misuse for commercial purposes. In an Instagram post, supposedly done by the 17-year-old, but we know it was done by her father, Svante, I'm sure, said that she and fellow activists have absolutely no interest in trademarks, but unfortunately it needs to be done. Thunberg said the application covers her name, the name of the Fridays for Future movement, and Skolstreik for Klimatet, Swedish for Skolstreik for Klimat, which was the slogan on a sign she held during the weekly solo protests outside Sweden's parliament that has inspired similar actions by other young people. This is all about the cash. She's trademarking her name for the cash trademarking her movement because now anybody wants to use that or they hold any rallies there's going to be a check cut to Greta Thunberg or her father Svante Thunberg that's the bottom line and yet Svante Thunberg worries about all the hate aimed at her well gee I wonder why I wonder why there's all this hate how about from the fact that she demands the way her tone I demand that you stop fossil fuel? How dare you? You adults are killing the planet? I love what Secretary of the, of the Treasury Steven Mnuchin had to say. W what college did she go to? She graduated from where? Did, what, what degree did she graduate with? How, how is she an expert? And of course you had people saying, how dare you go after Greta Thunberg? How dare you all? You know what? He was right. All these people that are mesmerized by this woman, it's ridiculous. It is all about the cash. And so is the movement to ban meat and tax meat. Latest example, governments around the world are considering taxing red meat like tobacco in an effort to curb climate change, so they say. They came after your cigars. You can't smoke your cigars. First in indoor buildings, fine. So restaurants made outdoor patios. That wasn't good enough for the enemies of pleasure. Then they came after your cigars for taxes. The S-chip tax increased. Now all these usage taxes and excise taxes at the state level. It's never enough. Tax, tax, tax. But they say, oh, we're doing it for the health of people. We know that's not true. We know that's not true. We know that cigar smokers, cigar connoisseurs who smoke an average of one to two cigars a week, are perfectly healthy. There's no increase in any disease because of smoking an occasional cigar. That's from the FDA's own scientific data. But what are the climate change people saying now? We need to place a sin tax on products like meat and poultry. It's worked for sugary drinks and tobacco. And let's face it, like sugar, red meat has been linked to an increased risk of cancer, heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. Now, just remember one thing. The FDA, the Food Pyramid, the USDA, 
40 years ago, 50 years ago, said we need to eliminate butter. Butter is not healthy. Get rid of butter. It's terrible. Loaded with fats. We need to replace that with margarine. And then they came in and said, all these fat foods, we need to replace those. Low-fat versions. And they replaced it with low-fat, and they increased the sugar content, and they increased all the carbs. All these things they said, eggs were bad, butter is bad, meat was bad. What happened? Did the, incre- did the rate of cor- cardiovascular disease go down? No. It went up. Why? Well, we have found out that margarine contains trans fat, is known to increase the risk of cardiovascular disease and heart attacks. Proven fact. All the substitute, the fat-free substitutes, all the fat-free products, they increase the amount of sugar, they increase the amount of carbohydrates in there, the amount of chemicals that are in all these foods. Yet isn't it amazing? I remember as a kid, my grandparents, they would eat eggs and butter and meat and chicken schmaltz, which is like chicken fat they would put on their rye bread. And yet, cigar ate my grandfather, who smoked six, seven cigars a day, lived till 85. And my grandmother, Grandma Ida, lived till 98 and a half and was with it until about the last two months. They didn't eat processed foods. They weren't commuting an hour each way to work. Anything they ate was natural. It was one ingredient. Eggs, that's the ingredient. Meat, that's the ingredient. Butter, that's the ingredient. Or milk. There was no chemicals and all this other nonsense that they ate. But today, we have all these groups now saying that our climate change enthusiasts, that our climate change uh, accelerators, if you will, are saying we must, we must increase the tax on red meat. We must eliminate red meat production to curb climate change. First, the tax man came for your cigars. Now he's coming for your steak and your chicken and your lamb and your pork and probably your salmon and turkey too and chicken and all the other other foods. They don't like the fact that you eat meat, that you are not a vegan, that you're not consuming tofu three freaking times a day. Research company Fitch Solutions concluded that sin taxes levied on products deemed undesirable, like tobacco, sugary foods, and drinks, could soon be applied to meat. Now, who deems these undesirable? I'll tell you who it is. The bureaucrats, the taxocrats, the enemies of pleasure. They all use it under the guise of, we're doing this for your health. No, they're not. They're doing it to, number one, increase the coffers of government funds, a wealth transfer tax. That's all it is. What's climate change all about? Wealth transfer. That's exactly what these supposed sin tax. Since when is eating meat a sin? Man has been doing it since man was first on the planet. They go on to say that governments could leverage on this demand for more sustainability and tax the consumer instead of implementing stricter environmental production regulations. New research by Fitch predicts such attacks could go global due to environmental, health, and ethical concerns. Just a few weeks ago, a coalition of German politicians, Jawohl, Herr Kamidan Klink, proposed hiking the value-added tax on meat from 7% to 19% under the guise of 
we want to cut consumption. It's good for the environment. This has nothing to do with the environment. This is a wealth transfer tax. And again, when they're done with that, they'll say, well, fossil fuels, bad for the environment. We need to put a sin tax on there. Because putting gas in your car and commuting to work or flying from point A to point B, that's a sin. So we need to tax that. We're only doing that to reduce consumption. Baloney. They're doing that to create wealth transfer. Wealth transfer from individuals to government. Wealth transfer from individuals to a certain exclusive elite group of people. Al Gore, Greta Thunberg, those type people. It's all they're doing. So they want to almost triple the tax to cut consumption. It's outrageous. Since when is it written that natural products should be taxed to no end? But then they go on to say, well, red meat has been linked to an increased risk of cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes. No, that's all sugar. Sugar is increased, uh, increases the risk of heart disease and diabetes and cancer. And they're finding that out. Do I believe we should have a tax on sugar? No, don't eat it. I've eliminated sugar. If it's not natural, I don't want it. I don't want chemicals or anything else. But they go on to say the University of Oxford found introducing a tax on meat could prevent 6,000 deaths a year and $850 million in supposed health care costs. 6,000 deaths a year. Do you know how many deaths there were from the flu in the United States last year? 6,000. So if we're talking globally, this could save supposedly 6,000 lives? Please, it's not even worth discussing. So they want to propose a meat tax. And the UN just came out with a report that found that human food system accounts for 37% of all greenhouse gas emissions. And the production of meat, especially red meat, is responsible for much of that. And they found that lamb followed by beef are the worst offenders. Cows have been on this planet for thousands and thousands of years. Millions of years, maybe. But now all of a sudden, these small group of elitists these climate change alarmists now all want us to change and go to meat-free diets. And they're saying, well, the meat-free alternatives, such as Beyond Meat, they're going to be great. And in the next hour, I'm going to talk to you about a story. I went into one of the supermarkets. They were sampling some of the various meat alternatives, the bratwurst and their hot dogs and their meatballs, loaded with sodium, loaded with sugar, loaded with chemicals. No thank you. And they say, they, there's this nice little graph that I've seen showing that consumption would just go down. Well, it will go down a little bit with the tax, but not much. And what I find amazing is this. If you take a look at carbon dioxide emissions going back millions of years, the Earth, the earth was actually warmer millions of years ago when there was no man-made carbon dioxide or emissions. And today, what I find also interesting is that carbon emissions over the last 35, 40 years have actually gone down in North America, United States, and Canada. But since the year 2000, they have dramatically escalated in China, yet nobody, Greta Thunberg or Al Gore or Prince Charles or any other of these climate change alarmists, go after China. Why? Because they are scared of the Chinese communists. But yet, they can wag their finger at the United States for pulling out of the Paris Accord, and I'm glad President Trump did that, but yet China, they don't say a word. They don't say a peep, they don't say boo. 
because they're scared of China and they know that China would tell them to stick it where the sun doesn't shine up their anus, up their tuchus. It's enough already of these climate change. They've come after our cigars. They've come after our sodas. They've come after our products that we enjoy. Now they want to come after meat and fuel. And next up is coffee because they'll say, the growing of coffee beans across the world and transporting that coffee increases the carbon footprint. So therefore, we need to eliminate coffee. Mark my words, it is coming. I will have more around the corner. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. A new year is upon us, and that means that I have selected 12 fantastic monthly selections for the 2020 Cigar Dave Officers Club, and it begins this month, January 2020, with the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, a magnificent collaboration between Alec Rubin, Bradley Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, and Ernesto Perez Querillo of EPC Cigar. They collaborated to make a magnificent, medium-bodied, very nice rich cigar. It is the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Rich, little spice, little cedar, little nuttiness on the palate, a beautiful cigar. The first of 12 fantastic monthly selections in 2020 for the Cigar Dave Officers Club, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, join now. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars delivered to you each month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join now. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, I'm not going to be enjoying a cigar today. <clears throat> no litation because I still have the lingering effects of this bronchitis, upper respiratory infection. Probably won't have a cigar for another two weeks. Got to make sure this thing is totally clear before I do that. But in the next hour, Super Snacks for Super Bowl, Colonel Ange will have a Cattle Baron cigar. And my good friend... Brian Mussard 
has a fantastic ranch out in Montana. And in addition to raising incredible Angus cattle, Angus beef, in fact, we're going to have one of the items on the menu next hour for Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54 is the Grilled Chiefs Tomahawk Chop that Brian generously provided. But in addition to Cattle Baron Cigars and his ranch operation, he also got into vodka, gorgeous vodka, magnificent-looking bottle made from totally uh, made from potatoes. So there's no gluten, totally gluten-free, and that is exactly what we are going to have today. We're going to sample that. Now, I don't have the regular one because I need something with a little more taste. I'm going to try the gorgeous cranberry tea vodka. And this is cranberry tea-infused vodka, the only cranberry tea-flavored vodka. You could pair this with a Cattle Baron cigar. You could uh, certainly pair this with the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. That is our January 2020 selection. Let me take a sip of this. Hmm. You know, you could put a little soda in here, make a spritzer. It's pretty good. A little sweetness. Very pleasant. Nice soothing on my throat. I'll be able to get through the rest of this hour and next hour. And I'm going to raise a glass in memory of a good friend of mine, Glenn Serafin, a longtime media broker. Passed away last Monday from a stroke. He was 69. Glenn and I knew each other for many, many years, probably 30 years. We would meet for lunch on a regular basis, have cigars, share a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes. He was just a well-known media broker, but more importantly, he was a gentleman. And we are going to miss him, and his uh, passing came as a shock to me, having to see it in one of the radio uh, trade publications. But Glenn, I'm raising a glass to you, my friend. I'll miss our lunches and our cigars and all the stories and the laughs. Mm. Fantastic. So Glenn Serafin, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, the January 2020 selection, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, the second release from Alec and Bradley Rubin, the sons of Alec Bradley founder Alan Rubin. They work with legendary blender and cigar master Ernesto Perez Carrillo at the Tabacalera La Alianza factory in the Dominican Republic. And they created this beautiful medium to full-bodied cigar, notes of spice, sweetness, cedar, another winner. The cigars were shipped last Tuesday and Wednesday. You should start receiving them anytime. So for those of you that are members of the Officers Club, be on the lookout. Should start getting them today uh, into early next week for those of you on the West Coast, Alaska, and Hawaii. If you're not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com right now. Click on Officers Club. $22.95. You get three of the latest and greatest in the world cigars shipped in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch, and you will enjoy these. We've got a great selection for all of 2020. Got a great selection for February. I will announce next week from Crowned Head Cigars, a nice sampler from them. But I'll tell you, this Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, phenomenal. Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan Dominican filler, absolute gem of a cigar. Alec and Bradley Rubin did a magnificent job. Next hour, we'll go up to the Western New York Theater of Operations, the Pooch Pit, with Colonel Ange. Super snacks for Super Bowl 54. I am looking at the lineup. There are some delicious delicacies. We'll have all the recipes, pictures posted at CigarDave.com, social media. Get ready, my fellow alphas. We've got you prepared to enjoy the big game tomorrow. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show, Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54, comes your way next. 
Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. 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 Super Bowl 54, the culmination of a season of National Football League action. It is the time America celebrates, America parties, America feasts, on a cornucopia of gastric delicacies. All major food groups are represented on the big day, meat, poultry, Pizza, chips, dip, beer, soda, cakes, cookies, and other gastric delights. It is time for America to feast. Screw the vegans. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw those that would say, eat healthy on Super Bowl day. This general says, fire up your grills. Fire up your cigars. Pour the libations. We celebrate the big game. It's Super Snacks for Super Bowl. And we welcome you to our Super Snacks for Super Bowl LIV edition Super Bowl 54 down in Miami Hard Rock Stadium. The Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. And it is only appropriate we pay tribute to the greatest chief of them all, the great Henry Stram, head coach of the Chiefs for many years. Let's go back to Super Bowl four, 50 years ago. Sergeant Steve, let's see what the great Hank Stram had to say about what was going on in the field. There was too much leakage on that play. There's too much leakage down there, I'll tell you that, boys. Too much leakage. But Hank Stram guided his team to a victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And joining us now from the Pooch Pit in a balmy western New York, classified location in the Western New York Theater of Operations, mid-30s today, the day before Super Bowl in the Western New York Theater of Operations, we have Colonel Ange. Greetings, Colonel Ange. Greetings, Long Ashes General. Back at you on Super Bowl day tomorrow. Some big superfoods uh, facts. Americans will consume 1.3 billion, as Bernard Sanders would say, that's billion. I'm not talking millions of chicken wings. I'm talking 1.3 billion chicken wings. I've always said the chicken producers who make those wigs, they're billionaires and zillionaires and gazillionaires because Americans love their chicken wings. 1.3 billion chicken wings will be consumed according to the National Chicken Council. 
48 million Americans will order takeout or have food delivered on game day. And of those takeout orders, 60% will be pizza. Domino's alone expects to sell 12 million slices of pie, five times more than the average Sunday. Americans will munch on 30 million pounds of snacks, including 12 million pounds of potato chips. 4 million pounds of popcorn, 4 million pounds of pretzels, 2.5 million pounds of nuts. The average American will have consumed a minimum, this is a minimum, not a maximum, of 1,200 calories and 50 grams of fat by the end of the game. And if that drives the dietitians and the enemies of pleasure and the food police crazy, I say bravo. Now here's an interesting factoid, Colonel Ange. You may not even realize this. Do you know what one of the largest consumed items on Super Bowl Sunday will be? Guacamole. You are correct. 12 million pounds of avocados (laughs) will be purchased, and Americans will consume 8 million pounds of guacamole. This is pathetic. Only 10% of Americans. And all I have to do is grab on Super Bowl Sunday, cooking up dogs, bratwurst, steaks, uh, uh, burgers, you name it. But 10%. You know why? Because none of them are as hardy as you, Colonel Ange, that will brave any element, snow, rain, sleet, ice, hail, vermin, locusts. None of them as hardy as you, no matter what the element, Colonel Ange, you'll be out in the pooch pit. General, all I do is grab the ice scraper from the car, clean my glasses, and get back out into the cold. No element is too great for Colonel Ange. And I know, Colonel Ange, that not only when it's subarctic in the pooch pit, you don't wear long pants, long johns. You're not bundled up. You've got the later hosing going on. (laughs) Well, you know what? The leather chaps my thighs, but it's worth every minute, General. I don't need all that. Who needs that when you are as hardy? That's why you're a colonel and not a private. Now, Colonel Ange, we have, you have prepared, I should say, a magnificent uh, list of great foods that you will be creating for Super Snacks for Super Bowl, starting with the Grilled Chief's Tomahawk Chop. That's correct, General. We're going to take a bone-in ribeye, a tomahawk ribeye, and we're going to do it our, our traditional way. We're going to do it on the grill. We're going, to, we're going to sear it and then cook it off. And we're going to make a little bit buffalo style in the rub and in the side that we're serving it with. In the rub, we've got your usual suspects, the brown sugar, the salt, the onion, the garlic. But we've added some ground dark roast Tim Hortons coffee. So basically, we have a coffee rub for our steak. And when we're done, we're going to serve it with a... Sauce made with blue cheese and horseradish. Kind of the same way you'd have a little bit of uh, chicken wings and maybe uh, a uh, beef on wick. But it's good flavors that go along with it. So we're going to do that on the grill first. That's our number one. Colonel Ange, I know you purchased the coffee at Tim Hortons. Excellent coffee. Yes. I can guarantee you one thing you will not be purchasing anytime in the future from Tim Hortons, and that is any plant-based protein products from Beyond Meat. Tim Hortons drop Beyond Meat 
with their Beyond Meat sausage sandwich. Or, or correction, that's uh, that's that's Duncan that's got that because the sales were not as expected. And I say, excellent. Yeah. Real beyond meat. <laughs> yeah. beyond, beyond this beyond. nonsense. And I, I've got to last weekend I was at Sprouts. Sprouts, one mm. of the big markets. Uh, actually, it's across the country now, and they're known for their. Their produce, great prices on produce, and we've got some pretty decent fish and meat and so on. So they were actually they had an, a, an, a table set up where they, they were giving samples of a plant-based protein. So one was a bratwurst, the other was, I think, an Italian sausage. So I said, all right, you know what, let me go ahead and try it. There was definitely a noticeable difference. Now, if you're a nutcase vegan and you really want a similar taste, okay, I get it. But here's a little comparison between what is in meat and what is in these plant-based meat alternatives. And Sergeant Steve will be posting a calorie listing, nutrition facts of this alternative meat plant-based product as well as the ingredients. Now, in meat, for example, there's only one thing, meat. That's the <laughs> ingredient, nothing else. Now, does it have fat? Sure, it's going to have fat. Does it have sodium? No, because nothing else is added. So I looked at the nutrition facts. One cooked sausage of 90 grams. So I want to say 90 grams is maybe like two and a half ounces. Maybe it's just three ounces. 210 calories, 12 grams of fat, six grams of saturated fat, 540 milligrams of sodium, 10 grams of carbs, including one gram of sugar, 17 grams of protein. So here is the ingredients, Colonel Ange. Again, in real meat, the only ingredients, meat. meat. That's it. Chicken. Yeah. Chicken. That's it. Here's the ingredients. Water, pea protein, virgin coconut oil, or as Borat would say, virgin coconut oil, expeller-pressed canola oil, modified cellulose. Do you know that that cellulose is what termites eat if there is cellulose in a product termites go go crazy they go feast it's like super snacks for termites Cell, uh, uh, modified cellulose faba or faba bean protein brown rice protein potato starch salt apple powder spice cane sugar yeast extract onion powder beet powder garlic powder Flavor, calcium, alginate, casing. My question is, again, one, one ingredient in meat. Meat. The, there's, there's 20 ingredients in here, and frankly, when the first ingredient is water, that's not a good thing. Mm. And then pea protein and, and, again, cellulose, which is what termites eat. I'm just not interested in the potato starch and the yeast extra. It's garbage in there. All these plant-based alternatives that people think are healthy are not healthy. I think if you changed one ingredient in that, you would have a 34-foot Chris Craft. That's all you'd need. <laughs> I, 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 I think you're probably right, uh, especially with the cellulose and some yeah. of the other nonsense that's in here. The calcium alginate. I mean, yeah. like, what, what is calcium alginate? What I do they, you know, and the second thing, that, let's see, water, pea protein, Coconut oil, expeller, pressed canola oil. Mm. So you got oils, you know, in your third and fourth ingredient, which I don't get. Now, this is a classic. 
Burger King came up with their own plant-based Whopper. Are you familiar with that? I've seen it. I'm, I've always kept myself at arm's length. Yes, it's called the Impossible Burger. But here's the deal. It's uh, started in the UK. It's a soy-based version of the Whopper patty. However, vegans are not eating it. Why? Because the plant-based burger patty is cooked on the same conveyor, flame-broiled conveyor belt, as regular meat. So they're staying away. It is (laughs) a disaster. Now, Colonel Ange, KFC, that stands for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to change their name to KFPBC, Kentucky Fried (laughs) Plant-Based Crap. Beyond Meat announced this week it is supplying plant-based fried chicken to several KFC stores in Tennessee and North Carolina after a test conducted last year showed strong consumer demand. Now, I know people in North Carolina and Tennessee. Southerners know their fried chicken. It's called Southern Fried Chicken for a reason. Northerners, Yankees, as they say, are not known for their fried chicken. Southerners, no doubt about best fried chicken you will ever have is in the South. No ifs, ands, or buts. People in Tennessee and North Carolina or Alabama, Georgia, Florida, that are fried chicken connoisseurs, do you think they're going to go eat a plant-based fried chicken product? (laughs) I don't think so. Not on your life. It is 80 calories per piece. Looks like uh, a fried chicken nugget, but it's got, uh, and they say that the texture is designed to feel like chicken, and it'll be available next month in stores around Nashville, Tennessee, and Charlotte, North (laughs) Carolina. And they said creating a muscle-like fibrous texture is very important when imitating chicken because that's what humans have come to expect when they bite into a piece of meat. I'm sorry, Colonel Harlan Sanders is rolling over in his grave saying, I don't think I want any of that plant-based fried chicken nonsense. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. I just don't get it. I think this is going to be a dud. Beyond Meat, which had this giant IPO, stock went through the roof, then it came down, and now there's some short covering, so it's gone back up a little bit. But I think in the long run... I just don't see these plant-based alternatives being around in the long run. And again, when you look at the ingredients, that is not worthy of super snacks for Super Bowl. No, it's just simple. You know what? Meat, like you said, meat, meat, plants, plants. You know what? Can you have them together? Absolutely. Right next to each other on the same plate. Stop trying to make one out of both. Just doesn't work. Does not work. If you want vegetables, great. Get some broccoli, get asparagus, have onions. Whatever, but do not think that a plant-based alternative is going to be healthy. When you look at the sodium content in yeah. some of these, I mean, that, that one bratwurst I was telling you about it only had 550 milligrams. I saw some that were 12, 1,300 milligrams of sodium, which is astronomical. I mean, that's, potato that's like chips. Se- it's worse than potato chips. Yeah. Is, again, what is potato made out of? Potato, potato fried into oil with some with some sodium. But here's the thing: you can buy Wise Potato Chips makes a sodium-free, a no-salt potato chip. And when I have potato chips, that's what I prefer. I don't want the additional salt. I don't need the additional salt. And let's face it: if you make a quality dip to a company, an accoutrement to that potato chip, you don't need the salt. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now Colonel Ange. Before we get into the next item. 
on the Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54 menu. Sergeant Steve, I think we need to bring out the big play from the great Hank mm. Stram. And I'm talking, of course, about the 65 Toss Power Trap. 65 Toss Power Trap. Look for 65 Toss Power Trap. What does it look like? Hey, look for our 65 Toss Power Trap. Let's see what it looks like. 65 Toss Power Trap was a series that we used at that particular time. 65 Toss Power Trap. 60 was a series, five was a hole. Trap meant that Mo Mormon, our right guard, was gonna pull to his left and trap Alan Page. Power meant that Freddie Arbanis would block down on the middle linebacker. And we hoped that Alan Page would chase Tyre and we'd just run inside for the touchdown. Well, that's exactly what happened. 65 toss power trap. That might pop wide open, Rats. Chiefs at the Vikings five yard line. Dawson gives to Garrett Big hole. One of the great plays of all time football history, the 65 toss power trap. But Colonel Ange, you have created a special delicacy, a super snack for Super Bowl based on that play. Yes, I have, General. I've come up with the 65 toss power wrap in honor of the great Henry Stram. We made some uh, Kansas City ribs, put them in the smoker, hit them with some Kansas City barbecue sauce, made them a little bit more tender than you normally do, pulled them right away from the bones. We took and grilled a uh, fresh uh, flour tortilla, a little spicy bourbon coleslaw, put them inside, put them together, had a nice little wrap that's the 65 toss power wrap, and I think I'm going to serve it with a schmush. With a smush. In fact, what everything smush. he said, he called one play, and I can't remember what it was. He said, like, 21 power swing right with a smush. What a smush. With a smush. Yes, By sir, way, rats. That's what he called his players, the rats. <laughs> yes, sir, <laughs> Leonard Dawson. Yes. He didn't call him Lenny Dawson. Leonard. Leonard, you got, you got plenty, of, plenty of room out there, Leonard. <laughs> Keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. <laughs> Keep matriculating, Leonard. Let's now, negotiate this, that ball. Let's negotiate. Now, here's the thing. The 65-toss power wrap, Colonel Lange, has got to be very careful because you've got sauces and other things. We can't have too much leakage down there. No leakage. No leakage. No no leakage. leakage. you got to go easy on the sauce. Easy on the sauce. Yeah. So we're going to put that together, General, and I think that's going to make a tasty little tribute to the Honorable Henry Stram, one of the funniest guys that ever coached the game. Now, we've got three other items for Super Snacks for Super Bowl. However, let's talk about Hank Stram, the great Henry Stram. By the way, do you know what two teams played in the 1967 AF 1966 AFL championship, which is played, I believe, in early 1967. What two teams played to go to Super Bowl one? Mm. Oh, 60, Colonel Ange, you got to know this. You got to know this, Colonel Ange. 67, did you say? It was the 1966 season, but they played the AFL championship game on January 1st. 1967. It was the Kansas, Kansas City, Chiefs City Chiefs and the, and the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Bills. Yes, sir. Leonard yes, Dawson sir. passed for yep. two touchdowns. Mike Garrett ran for a pair of scores. Casey yep. defeated Buffalo to keep the Bills from winning an unprecedented third straight AFL championship. And with the win, the Chiefs earned the right to represent the AFL in Super Bowl One. 
1964, my birth year. The Bills defeated the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. Jack Kemp at quarterback. 20-7, to they beat the Chargers. 1965, they play the Chargers again in San Diego. And the Bills win 23 to nothing. Pete Gogolak nailed three Ooh. field goals. The Bills' Butch Bird return and interception, 74 yards, a pick six for a <laughs> touchdown. They dominated the Chargers 23 to nothing. And that was the great Lou Saban winning the 1964 and 65 championship games as their head coach. If only the Bills could have gone to Super Bowl one. Maybe we would have beaten the Green Bay Packers. But Super Bowl four with the Chiefs. And everybody remembers Super Bowl three, the Jets um, uh, defeating the Baltimore Colts. Remember that, yes. uh, that, that a guaranteed win? Joe Namath. Joe, Joe Namath. Right. Everybody thought that was a fluke. But in 1969, at the end of the 1969 season, on January 4th, 1970, the Chiefs defeated the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl IV. Here's a real quick story. NFL Films, Ed Sable and his son Steve Sable wanted to mic each head coach. First, they went to Bud Grant. I love Bud Grant. Great coach, me, very me stoic, yep. class guy, like Marv Levy, class guy. He went to them, and, and Sables went to them and said, we want to you know, wire you up. First time they'd ever wire a coach. And he said, are you effing crazy? There is no way. Not going <laughs> to happen. So then they went to the great Hank Stram. They go to see him in his hotel suite. He's got like the whole floor, right? And he's sitting behind a desk. And so they say, Coach, we'd like to mic you up. And he said, sure, I like that idea. That's great. Hank, ever the showman. And they said to him, well, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'd like to have you wired up. It'll be great. And so Hank Stram said, all right, boys, let's talk about the coin of the realm. <laughs> and the Sables looked at each other and said, coin of the realm? What the hell are they talking about? And he said, ah, he said, cash remuneration, boys. And so they said, okay, how about $250? And he looked and he said, that doesn't cover my dry cleaning bill. I need some more dead Benjamins. 750 bucks, but the deal was they had to pay him in cash in an envelope in the locker room before the game. And that is the legend of the great Hank Stram. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Hank Strambert always say, all right, Lenny. Uh, he called me Leonard. Leonard. Throw that thing on the outside, Leonard. Throw it any time. I'd come to the sidelines, and, and Hank would say, Lenny, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to work on this. You got to do this. You got to keep throwing those short passes more. That's like stealing out there. That stuff in front is like stealing. we got to do more of it. The great Henry Stram winning Super Bowl for January 11, 1970. 50 years ago, defeating the Minnesota Vikings 23-7, Tulane Stadium in Nolens, Louisiana, in front of 80,562 fans. How ironic. 50 years later, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Colonel Ange rejoins us from the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. Now, Colonel Ange, we have already talked about the grilled Chiefs tomahawk chop. And the 65 toss power wrap for Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54. And next up, we're going to have a little seafood. we got to bring in San Francisco into the mix here. The iconic San Francisco seafood stew. They call it Chipino. And what the fishermen would do at the end of the day, whatever was left over, they'd take, put it in a sack, bring it home, and they'd make a fish soup fish stew depending on how thick you wanted to make it we did our own here general we have some of the usual suspects we have shrimp and we have scallops but to change it a little bit i call it great lakes chipino i'm adding some fresh lake erie walleyes aha very nice outstanding and you know there's nothing like going to san francisco fisherman's wharf you can go there early in the morning, and that fresh seafood's already coming off the docks, and there's tons of great places to go. You can have incredible crab. The crab is phenomenal, and the shrimp, and everything that comes off of there is just off the charts. I mean, I could eat there breakfast, lunch, and dinner. In fact, when I was in San Francisco the last time, I think I did, and it's Ooh. all healthy. You can't beat the seafood. Now, one other thing, to really make it a San Francisco-type dish, Colonel Ange, yes. I think you serve it over a bed of rice aroni the that's San right. Francisco treat. That's right. Or serve it, put a little bit in, use the fish stock, thicken up your rice aroni. You're absolutely right, General. It's the San Francisco treat. And you can have it that way, too. Makes it kind of more of a gumbo than a stew, but perfectly great way to have it. I mean, everybody remembers the line, at least back in the 70s and 80s when rice aroni was huge. Rice aroni, the, the San Francisco treat. treat. It was that was iconic. We need yeah. more jingles back in commercials. I really believe that. We do yeah, not have yeah, yeah. enough jingles. If we only had more jingles, I think it would be far more memorable. All right, so the Great Lakes Chapino yes. over a bed of rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. Yes. And then Colonel Ange, no. Super snacks for Super Bowl festivities would be really would be it just would be incomplete unless you had the greatest Super snack for Super Bowl created in the history of mankind going back millions and millions, or as Bernard Sanders would say, billions and billions of years ago. Billions. The smoked 
grilled buffalo chicken wings. Ah, uh, there's nothing like it. You know what? It's, it's The process starts the day before, but it's worth every penny and every minute that you spend. You take chicken wings. First, you brine them. You put a little bit of salt, kosher salt and water. Give them about three, four hours. Take them out of that. Put them on a rack. Hit them with the uh, dry rub. Take them, put them uncovered in a refrigerator overnight. You really want this. What happens is uh, the skin on the chicken dries and gets a little bit ready to be crisped up. Then we smoke them. Smoke them for about an hour and a half, around 250 degrees. Take them out of the smoker, and we finish them on a hot grill with buffalo wing sauce. Give them a couple of turns. There's nothing like it. General, I'll tell you what, if there's any requests that I get on any given Sunday during the football season, it's for these smoke-grilled buffalo wings. They're a big hit. Now, Colonel Lange, you said that you put the wings on a big rack, correct? Ah, uh, yes, and if I can only get her to stay after the wings are done. Well, but see, that's I got 32 in the go. harem. They're going, <laughs> I've got plenty of wings to go on all of their racks. Yeah, that, is, yeah, yeah. that is 32 sets of ample rackage. Stackage and decolletage. It is a lovely thing. It's a beautiful thing. Send the, about 16 of them over for my next gig. I'd appreciate I, it. We will do that. I'm not sure Miss your harem of one, uh, Mrs. Rita Pooch, would uh, approve. But, uh, Colonel Ange, have you ever heard of the five-block rule? Um, I've heard about it, but I'm not sure how I'm going to make this Well, work. it used to be like the 50-mile rule. Then it was yeah. the five-mile rule. To me, it's like the five-block rule. If it's mm. if it's more than five blocks, it doesn't count as any extramarital affairs. Ah, I understand. I understand. I'm going to have to research and try or and Or Colonel Ange, you could always book. move to Utah, and then you could have as many <laughs> brides as you'd like. You could have eight, ten. One for each grill, Colonel Ange. That's what I think. One for each grill. Oh, my God. We're up to seven or eight, maybe ten. You've got I'm ten. Now, now, how many do you have now, Colonel Ange? Oh, you know, if you count the ones that I keep uh, up in the racks just to take uh, just to take to uh, tailgate parties, there's probably a dozen. Now, let me correct you. You actually have two grills, but you have ten backups. That's how you've got to look at it. You have <laughs> yeah, a good a good general or colonel doesn't have a primary backup, a secondary, a tertiary. You've got ten backups. Therefore, if one goes out, you're ready to go. They're all ready. And by the way. How many millions of BTUs, if you had those fired up in the pooch pit at one time, how many millions or billions of BTUs, British thermal units, would there be? Got to be humongous. I, I we're going to have to go right back to Bernie. I think it's billions and billions, billions of British thermal billions, units. Billions. So, Colonel Ange, you are contributing yes. towards climate change. We talked about Greta Thunberg. How dare you, Colonel Ange? How dare you emit all that carbon dioxide into the air with all your fossil fuels and your charcoal and natural gas? How dare you? And the answer is, yeah, and I'm not changing. Not for a minute. In fact, the more that I get that going in the wintertime, the quicker the nude beaches open up on Lake Erie in the winter. General, I'm ready to roll. Ready to rock and roll. No question about it. it. Now, Colonel yeah. Ange... Yes. We've got so far the Grilled Chiefs Tomahawk Chop, mm -hmm. the 65 Toss Power Wrap, the Great Lakes Chapino, the Smoke Grilled Buffalo Wings, and all the recipes are at CigarDave.com, and we have posted them on social media. Our Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54 recipes, menu items, all the recipes are there. We have to appropriately finish it with a dessert, with something on the sweet side that has a San Francisco twist to it. 
Yes, we do, General, and we're using the famous San Francisco chocolate, Giardelli. And at first, we were going to do brownies, but I got a special request from Private G. I don't want no stinking brownies. He says, make me chocolate chip cookies. So we're going to do the Giardelli chocolate chip cookies. Going to make those, and we're going to cook them on the grill, General, because why not? We can. Now, what kind of tray? How do you cook those on the grill? Do you put them right on the grill grates, or how do you cook those? Yep, same way that you'd cook them in an oven. The only thing you want to do is make sure that it's off heat. The side that you're cooking on is off heat. So you set it up the same way. Make your cookies, put them on a, uh, on a uh, pan, put them in the grill, 350 degrees, off heat. Make sure you've got one burner on because you can get enough BTUs out of that one burner to bring it up to 350. 15 minutes, you got chocolate chip cookies on the grill. There's nothing like it. I'm telling you... Lieutenants, remember, it's an oven. It's an oven. It's outside, but that doesn't stop it from being an oven. That's how I make them, General. That is beautiful. Now, to me, yeah. I would I prefer my chocolate chip cookies, Pittsburgh style. Just char them <laughs> at the end. Just put them on put them on one of the reverse grill grates and just give that just a little bit of a char. Just just yeah. to have a little bit, not too much, just a little bit of crunch. Yeah, hit them with some barbecue sauce. You could have Giardelli chocolate chip BBQ cookies. They turn out great, I'm telling you. You got to use that grill as an oven. Put a little bacon in there, Colonel Ange, and you mm. really have all the major food groups properly represented. <laughs> Outstanding. Right. So yes, all sir. the recipes. Now, Colonel Ange, you have already been working on all of these delicacies on the grill. And as I look, I am looking right now at the pictures you have just sent of the Grilled Chief's Tomahawk Chop. Magnificent. How, and that's about a two-inch thick cut. How long did that take you? Uh, that takes, well, generally, it takes pretty quick. All you need to do is, uh, again, remember, set up your, uh, your uh, cooking device, your grill, for uh, indirect heat. So you have one hot side, one cool side, whether it's charcoal or gas or propane. And either A, use a uh, cast iron skillet. In my case, I take the grill grates and reverse them so the flat side is up. You want that smoking hot, I take a aluminum pan, toss that over ahead of time, brings the temperature up to around 750, 800 degrees. Toss that steak on the hot side, give it two to three minutes, flip it. The other side, again, two to three minutes, and then move it over to the other side of the grill where you have no heat, none whatsoever, close that grill, cover, if you got a kettle, put the top on the kettle, and then let that sit for maybe about, mm, maybe 10 minutes tops, usually it happens at about seven minutes. I take them off at around 120 because I like mine rare to medium rare. It'll raise up five degrees up to 125 done like dinner it's an easy way to do it and i know that uh in uh general in your uh outside cooking facility you like to use the cast iron pan and uh sometimes i use that too but this steak was a little bit too big for the pan so this is how we did it take and switch those grill grates flip them over works just the same well actually colonel Ange, i have changed i have ah. changed i've made some slight adjustments in fact I call it the reverse. Sergeant Steve, I think we should bring up Hank Stram talking about the reverse from the uh, tight eye. 
Here comes a reverse coming from, from tight eye. Here comes a reverse from tight eye. Could be wide open here coming up. Tight eye reverse. We got a reverse coming from tight eye. Washington Figs gives it to Pitts on a reverse. He's got blockers. Pitts to the 45. Pitts to midfield and knocks it back. Was that reverse there, boys? <laughs> it was there, wasn't it, boys? It was there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Coach, yeah, you did it. You called it, Coach. That's all. <laughs> he likes that. Coach likes it. Now, Coach liked the reverse from the tight eye. When it comes to grilling my tomahawk chopper, all my steaks, I have used, I've called the reverse from the cast iron skillet. What I have found on Colonel Ange is I have my grill that I preheat for about 20, 25 minutes, gets it super hot. I lift the lid, and I have the grill grates. Now, grill grates are not your normal flat grates. These actually elevate the steak or any of the items you put on the grill, and they have little wells that allow the fat to drip and sizzle and to avoid any flame-ups. And what I do is I've got most of the grill grates that are the correct way, right side up, and then I flip over two of the grill grates, so I've got the flat iron side, towards the right side of my grill. And what I have done now is I do not use indirect heat. I keep direct heat on high. I do not close the lid, however. Very important. I don't close the lid. I don't want to dry out that steak. So what I do is I've got that steak, that tomahawk that you have, I just made last night. And I had it for about four and a half minutes on each side. And it was definitely rare at that point. What I did is I then took that steak and I put it on the reverse grill grates to give it the Pittsburgh char, kept it on for about a minute 30 to a minute 40 on each side, and I had a delicious medium-rare center with some nice Pittsburgh-style char on the outside, and then I covered it up for about five minutes, get those juices in there, let it cook just a little bit more, and it was moist, tender, succulent, delicious. Again, the special play, the reverse from the cast iron skillet. Ah, yeah, the reverse sear. The reverse sear is actually a great way to go. What that gives you is more control over the timing of the cooking of the steak. So many people use the reverse sear. I've used it myself. In fact, when I do the reverse sear general, I do it a little bit differently than that. I use the smoker. I put the steak in the smoker first with just a little bit of smoke. But you put it in the smoker at 250, and let it go for about 20 minutes. It'll come up to that same temp that you want to have right before you sear it. Then take it and sear it on the grill. It's a trick I learned from Butcher Dave. It's another great way to do a reverse sear. But absolutely, General, that's a heck of a way to go. I recommend it. And I must tell all of our alphas, lieutenants listening, that we have to thank Brian Mussard from Reminis Angus Ranch as well as the proprietor of Cattle Baron Cigars. And Colonel Ange, I sent you up those beautiful tomahawk chops, as well as their gorgeous vodka. It's actually called Gorgeous Vodka, ultra-premium vodka, gluten-free, made from potatoes. And they have won some incredible awards uh, the last number of years. Gold, uh, gold awards at the San Francisco Spirits Festival. So we sent you a bottle of that, and also a package of Cattle Baron Cigars, Nicaraguan Habano Wrapper, Dominican Binder, combination of Dominican Seco, Nicaraguan Viso for the filler. It is just a nice, rich, aromatic, 
Just medium-bodied cigar, very nice. That's the first time you've had a Cattle Baron cigar. Absolutely, General. Reminded me very much of a Fonseca. Fonseca with a little bit more personality, is, as our friend Manuel right. Casada would say, because it's got a little bit of that viso, and that Nicaraguan Habano wrapper gives it some nice flavor and heartiness and spice to it. But beautiful cigars, and he's doing very well. And uh, Brian is a wonderful guy. In fact, out in Dillon, Montana, he's been inviting me to come out. I think next summer, or this coming summer, I'm going to have to get out to the Reminis Angus Ranch. And boy, his jerky that they make from filet mignon with a special spice off the charts. In fact, I told Brian, I think we need to sell that to our alphas. I think they would love it. He said, General, whatever you want to do, we shall do. So fantastic. And I know, Colonel Ange, that you have taken the tomahawk chop. You've taken several bites of it. So far, so good. Your thoughts? Uh, tremendous. I mean, you can tell something with great quality, a good quality meat, you know, like a good dry age. These are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, cook tremendously, come right off. Taste is full flavored. It's honestly very much like a good dry aged steak. I'll tell you, he does a great job, honestly. Nothing like getting good, good sourced meat. That's the only way to go. Outstanding Angus. Angus. Colonel Ange, we're going to give you a couple of minutes to go out and bring all the food in, take some pictures. And we will sample all that food, or you shall sample all that food in preparation for the big game tomorrow, the final and concluding segment of Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54. And this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. A new year is upon us, and that means that I have selected 12 fantastic monthly selections for the 2020 Cigar Dave Officers Club, and it begins this month, January 2020, with the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, a magnificent collaboration between Alec Rubin, Bradley Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars, and Ernesto Perez Querio of EPC Cigar. They collaborated to make a magnificent, medium-bodied, very nice, rich cigar. It is the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Rich, little spice, little cedar, little nuttiness on the palate, a beautiful cigar. The first of 12 fantastic monthly selections in 2020 for the Cigar Dave Officers Club, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, join now. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars delivered to you each month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join now. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth. It will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, 
balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. Colonel Ange, I can tell you one thing. On your 65 toss power wraps, I am not seeing any leakage whatsoever. And by the way, you've got another item you didn't tell us about. You got some Kansas City slabble ribs that you have made that looks absolutely fantastic. Thank you, General. Yeah, we needed those for the for the uh, 65 toss power wrap. So why make what a small do the full rack of ribs in fact we made those a little bit different than i normally do in the end i gave them a quick toss on the grill with a little bit of kansas city barbecue sauce oh general they came out great and i have to tell you that chapino that you made in that kettle i mean that's like authentic that looks fantastic and i see that you've got some san francisco sourdough bread on the side Absolutely, General. How are you going to serve that chipino without the sourdough? In fact, what I did do, I was going to have it just that way, and I ran back out real quick and just tossed the uh, sourdough on the grill, gave it some grill marks. What a way to go. And those smoke-grilled buffalo wings, Colonel Ange, when you marinate those overnight and put the brine, those things are just so plump and juicy, incredible. Yeah, you know, and... What I like, why I like to do that, General, is because they're not just a tiny little, it's almost like having barbecued chicken, right? It's like ordering barbecued chicken at a smokehouse. Make them bigger. You don't have to have six or seven. Have two or three as a snack if you're going through the whole meal. I love making them that way. Well, Colonel Lange, there's one thing missing. Uh, you are missing the Kingsford Super Bowl snack <laughs> idea. This oh, thing yeah. is unbelievable. This was made by a grill master. You can't even buy this thing. Uh, I think three, four years ago, and it looks like a stadium. And then there's compartments for sliders, for hot dogs, for wings, for sausage, for uh, chicken tenders. And then the ribs are right in the middle on the field. Or you can put some guacamole dip. Colonel Lange, not available for sale. We got to make one of these things for next year's Super Bowl for Snooper Sna- Super Snacks when the Bills are in Super Bowl 55 playing right here in the Cigar City of Tampa. I think that's a great idea, General. Those are really cool-looking stadiums. You know what? These things can't disappear. We got to bring them back. Outstanding. Colonel Lange, in our remaining seconds, your Super Bowl prediction. My prediction is probably one of the highest scoring Super Bowls in recent history. I'm going to go with 30 points for both teams, giving the Kansas City Chiefs the win 38 33. 38 33. I say the Chiefs 34, the 49ers 20. Go, Chiefs. Mahomes should have been the Bills quarterback. Don't get me started on that. Colonel Ange from the Pooch Pit, as always. Many thanks for Super Snacks for Super Bowl 54. All the recipes, pictures at CigarDave.com and social media. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the enemies of grilling. 
Go Chiefs. And one more thing. 65 toss power trap from the mentor, the great Hank Strand.